Good morning. Good to have you here. Uh, the reason why Todd was laughing is because he's gonna, he said he's going to ask me hard questions. I said, well, the answer might be, I'll get back to you or I don't know. So, um, yeah. Well, as, as Kyle mentioned, we're starting a new series today. It's called Created and Called. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be going over God's design for gender, God's design for marriage, God's design for family, and God's design for you. And that'll be um, given by Pastor Sam, who will be back. But uh, today, it's God's design for gender. And, you know, this issue of gender, it's become a very uh, difficult, very challenging, very um, contentious and confusing issue in society today, right? It's, it's all around us. Everywhere you look, it seems like it, the issue is there, presenting itself to us. Uh, here's a couple of magazine covers from a few years ago, but one's time and the caption is beyond he or she. And then here's a National Geographic. It says the gender revolution. So it's, it's all around us. It's in media. We hear about transgender athletes, right? That issue. Gender neutral bathrooms. Here's a sign that I found. Gender neutral restrooms, right? Um, gender affirming school curriculum legal battles, and for some, very personally, it hits home as they're trying to come to grips with gender issues as they touch home and family. And so with all this talk of, the gen of gender, how are we as Christians supposed to respond and think about this issue? I've been, I've been thinking about and studying a lot for this issue this past week and beyond. And um, the first thing I want to say is uh, my heart's desire is to walk very um, humbly and yet truthfully before the Lord and uh, before all of you. Uh, it's a very complex issue. Many layers involved. Uh, a lot of feelings, thoughts, opinions, um, and even the experts, they're all over the map regarding this issue because there's really not a whole lot of, of research, definitive research on this, this topic. So just in one message, how much can we cover? It's just barely scratching the surface. But um, it's an important issue that we need to address that affects our society, affects us. And so, so we're going to dive in. And with that being said, I think a good place to start with this topic, and really any issue, is John chapter 1, verse 14. This is a very key verse that can help us, guide us, as we look at a multitude of different issues. So John 1, 14 says, And the Word became flesh, that's Jesus, and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And it's those last two words that I want to focus on. Grace and truth. Jesus came full of both. Fully committed to truth 
and fully committed to grace. I've heard it said it's radical truth and radical grace. It's both. And so that's where we're going to start. And, and I'm going to spend a lot of time at the beginning talking about truth. Truth, because there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of uncertainty about this topic. For believers, for us, truth begins and ends with God and His Word. God and His Word, that's truth. In fact, in John 14, 6, right, Jesus says what? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus says he himself is the truth. And the Bible is God's speaking to us. It's God's revelation of truth. You know, I was a philosophy major in college, and believe me, believe me, there's a lot of different opinions about what truth are. And a lot of things sound good or reasonable. But, you know, we cannot rely on our feelings. We can't rely on our own reason, our own wisdom and thinking. We can't rely on society. We can't rely on people because we are often mistaken. And there's not, we don't know a lot about a lot. Truth has to come by revelation because God is truth and it is his truth. And he has revealed that truth through his word. And we must stand on it. No matter how we think about it, how we feel about it, what society says, we have to stand on his truth. And so let me share with you two biblical truths I believe are very relevant to this issue of gender. Truth number one, God created two and only two genders. God created two and only two genders. Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And Jesus affirms this truth in Matthew 19.4. He, Jesus, answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? So right there, Jesus is affirming the word, Genesis 1.1, that God made, or Genesis 1.27, that God made two genders, male and female. I think it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear in God's word. God created us in his own image, male and female, and separately humans, and together reflect the image of God. Now, now I've read quite a few different transgender perspectives on this, these passages, and they try to explain how God authored and, it was, and it's okay, and it was part of his plan to create multiple genders and gender fluidity. In fact, different gradations of genders from male to female and beyond. And that many genders reflect kind of this creativity of God. But as I've looked at, read about these perspectives, 
personally, I don't believe that, that they hold water. I believe they fall short. There's a lot of different kind of rationalizing to go on to explain these verses because to me, these verses are very clear. They're very clear. Basically, on the screen here, basically gender ideology separates a person's sex and their biology, which is male and female, from a person's gender, which is how they think and feel about who they are. In other words, gender dysphoria, you may have heard that term, gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is the feeling that your biological sex does not match the gender you identify with or perceive yourself to be. So there is a disconnect. How you were born, how you're anatomically um, you know, determined or gender, there is a disconnect between that and what you think about who you are, how you feel about who you are gender-wise. A person feels trapped in their body such that it does not match their perceived gender. As a result of this ideology, there's certain implications, several implications. One, men and women aren't different because when you look at it from a gender perspective, it's how you think about yourself, and both men and women can think about themselves and their physiology differently. Two, a person can be male, female, neither, or some combination of the two. Three, biological sex doesn't matter. It's what is in your head that does. And four, an individual's gender can be fluid and changeable. Now, this perspective and these implications, I believe it's totally contrary to the verses we just read. It flies in the face of what God's word clearly says. God intentionally designed humans as two-gendered. And when you divert from God's design, when you move away from how God designed and intended things to be, it can lead to horrific consequences such as pain, confusion, and some of the tragic choices we see played out today. And that's why this topic matters so much because of what is happening with people and especially what is happening with kids and youth today. Here's a picture of Dr. Rachel Levine. Dr. Levine is the highest ranking official in the U.S. Public Health Corps and HHS Assistant Secretary of Health. Now, Dr. Levine is a trans woman who advocates letting children make their own life-altering decisions. In other words, children can decide on their own to take hormone blockers, surgically remove genitals, or other treatment without parental consent. That's what 
Dr. Levine advocates. That's immoral. How can kids or youth that are still developing cognitively, that do not have the maturity, they can't vote, they can't drink, they can't drive, they can't even give sexual consent. And yet, people like Dr. Levine are advocating that they should have the right to choose and make life-altering decisions about gender treatment. That's also in the face of two studies from Vanderbilt and the London's Portman Clinic. They have tracked kids who have expressed and reported transgender feelings. They've tracked these kids and 70 to 80% of those kids at some point, after some time, lose those feelings of being transgender. 70 to 80%. So these kids, some are advocating, should be able to make these decisions based on the feelings they have about who they are and about their physical bodies. Jamie Reed, she's worked at a transgender clinic for, for four years at the St. Louis Children's Hospital. Very recently, she's come out as a whistleblower. And lest you think she's some right-wing conservative plant in this transgender center, she describes herself as a queer woman married to a trans man and politically left of Bernie Sanders. That's how she describes it. So she's no conservative. And yet she's come out because what she saw taking place in the clinic shocked and horrified her. She worked in it for four years. Um, there's a lot of, you could look it up on, on the internet. You could look her up. There's different articles. She actually has gone, went to the Attorney General of Missouri, and they're now look, taking legal action and investigating this clinic. But this is what, what she says. She says that Dr. Rachel Levine had said that clinics are proceeding carefully and that no American children are receiving drugs or hormones for gender dysphoria who shouldn't. That was the Dr. Levine who I talked about before. But she says this, I felt stunned and sickened. It wasn't true, and I know that from deep, firsthand experience. And she goes on to share some very heartbreaking stories of some of the family and the children she has seen come to that clinic. Michelle Okimura, you know, uh, she's been here, she's spoken at her church, she's involved with explicit she said she talked, not too long ago, she talked to a 10th grader, 10th grade girl. And this, during the pandemic, you know, the pandemic has had major mental health, psychological impacts on people and youth and children. She says, during the pandemic, this 10th grade girl said, half of her friends 
said they were transgender during the pandemic. And this girl said she thought a third of the sophomore class at her high school were saying that they were transgender. What's going on? Why is this happening? How can we have moved so far away from biblical truth and even common sense? That leads me to truth number two. Truth number two, there are evil spiritual forces behind the transgender movement. There are evil spiritual forces, very powerful spiritual forces behind the transgender movement. Ephesians 6, 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You know, Michelle Okimura's husband, Pastor Rob Okimura, he gave a, a really interesting, compelling message on this whole topic of gender. And in that message, he talks about the gods of the nations that surra were surrounding Israel and that had infiltrated ancient Israel. In particular, he focuses on one particular god, one particular idol, Ashtoreth. Ashtoreth, in the Bible, it talks about the uh, Asherah poles and all those things that were embroiling, right, the Israelites and turning them away from God. Uh, Ashtoreth can go by other names, Ishtar and Aphrodite. Now, perhaps you think that idols are nothing or, you know, idols are just these stone statues or they're, they're myths or fairy tales, these gods and goddesses that are talked about or mentioned in the Bible. They're kind of just like myths or fairy tales. Well, there's several passages in the Bible that reveal the true nature of these god, goddesses, idols. Deuteronomy 32, 16 and 17. They, the Israelites, stirred him, God, to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. Now look at this. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods. To, to gods they had never known. So this passage, and there's several others that, can, that, that are parallel to this, this passage is saying that behind these idols, behind these gods and goddesses, are what? Demons. Demons are manifesting themselves as gods and goddesses of ancient Israel and of the world. Now, what, ha what has happened to these gods and goddesses, these demons? Did they disappear? Did they, did they die? 
they're alive and well. Asterisk is the goddess of lust, sensuality, and unrestrained sexuality. And what's, what's really interesting about this goddess Ashtaroth, this idol, is that she embodies both male and female characteristics. She was worshipped for her power and her ability to turn men into women and women into men. Sound familiar? Here are some ancient inscriptions written on stone, you know, tablets or reliefs. These are some inscriptions from some of the ancient kingdoms and countries that were around Israel at, at the time. Different ones. So here's a few. This is one inscription. And it, it is attributed to the goddess Ashtoreth, or Ishtar. Though I am a woman, I am a noble young man. When I sit in the alehouse, I am a woman, and I am an exuberant young man. This is another inscription attributed to Ashtoreth. Turn a man into a woman and a woman into a man, to change one into the other. Ashtoreth emasculates males and defeminizes females. In her temples, temples that were set up to worship Ashtoreth or Ishtar or Aphrodite, male priests wore makeup and, and women's clothing. And men were instructed to have sex with transgender and transsexual male priests. So, where does the power from the transgender agenda come from? What kind of power can influence people to ignore and reject their identity according to their biological makeup as males and females. What kind of power can do that? What power is behind people, youth, kids, believing spiritual, be believing that they are female one day and male the other day? What kind of power can cause people to think like that, to believe that, to pursue that? demonic power mighty what did paul say evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places and those powers are seeking to blind people you know when this topic comes up within the church with believers, a lot of times the response is, I don't want to hear that. Or I, I, don't want to, I don't want to know about that. Why? I believe in part, it's because there are powerful, spiritual, evil, dark forces behind this. We are in a war. We are being assaulted by very powerful, evil, 
unrelenting spiritual entities that are seeking to destroy people, destroy family, destroy our children. So what are we to do? What are we to do? How do we respond? We need to be LC. Be like Christ. We need to be like Christ and stand firm in his truth. Number one, we need to be like Christ and not waver from biblical truth. Ephesians 6.13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. We need to stand firm in the word of God, biblical truth. We can't waver from that. No matter what we feel, no matter what we think, no matter what society says, we cannot waver. We must stand firm in biblical truth. Because God is truth. God is the only truth. We must stand in it. And we must stand against transgender policies and agendas that are being pushed upon people and youth and children. Secondly, we must be like Christ and pray and get prayer. After Paul goes through, you know, talking about our struggle is not against flesh and blood, he goes through the armor of God, and then he gets to Ephesians 6, 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications to, for all the, the saints. To stand against this type of evil, these type of spiritual authorities and rulers and power, very powerful ones behind this agenda. In order to stand against, we have to pray. There's no way we could stand against and stand, withstand on our own strength, our own wisdom, our own abilities. No way. This spiritual deception, this blinding of people, the bondage it has put people in requires prayer. And if you or your family or someone you know is personally dealing with these issues, you are facing powerful demonic forces. You need to pray and you need to receive prayer. God partners with our prayers. God has chosen to partner with our prayers to release his power. Colossians 2.15 says, He, Jesus, disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. It says, Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. 
And the only way we can access Jesus' victory is through prayer. Praying for this issue, praying for people, praying for our society, praying for the school district, those leaders in authority, praying for those that we know that are struggling with these issues. And we ourselves need to get prayer. We need to get prayed up because we are tangling with very evil, malevolent, powerful spiritual forces. And thirdly, be like Christ and speak up. We need to speak up. Ephesians 6, 19 through 20. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. We need to speak up. You know, Pastor Ross talked last week. He talked about Christian, being a Christian, it's cross-cultural. You know, with the, I just told Dale last night, I said, you know, I know what I want for Father's Day. <laughs> I go, I know what I want. I want you to get one of those chosen sweat, uh, you know, hoodies that have the fish, you know, on it, the logo on it with the, the fish, and it has the blue fish going in the opposite direction. I love that logo. I, when I see it, I just love it, and then how there's only one blue fish, and then all of a sudden another one turns blue, and it turns around, and it starts going against all the other fish, against the current. That's a picture of what it means to be a Christian. And we have not had to do that so much in the United States, a Christian nation, but now those fish are coming against us. And to be a Christian, to be a believer, is to be cross-cultural because Jesus' truth and teachings do not conform to the teachings and perspectives of this world. So gear up. Band together with the other blue fish because we got to go against the current and speak up. Now how do we speak up? Glad you asked. God gives us perfect instructions in 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2, 24. This is instruction on how to speak up. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Gently, with gentleness and kindness. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. This is the instructions on how we are to speak up with kindness, with gentleness, with love. Because as much as we might dislike the people that are spouting these truths. It's not really them. It's the power behind them that we hate and oppose. But for the people, we need to treat them with love 
and gentleness and kindness. And that leads to the last thing I said at the very beginning, John 1, 14, Jesus was full of grace and truth. I've talked a lot about truth. I'm going to just end real briefly, grace. Radical grace. We need to be like Christ and show the Father's heart and compassion and empathy and love for those people, those youth and adults and children that are struggling with these issues. You know, a verse that's really helped me over the years to discern, it's James 4, 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Jesus opposed the proud, the religious leaders that were putting bondages on people. He opposed them very sharply in his words. But for those who are, were humble and in need and battered and beaten like sheep without a shepherd, he showed them abundant grace. We need to stand firm against transgender policies and agendas. But for people, people, those who are struggling with painful and confusing and heart-wrenching gender issues, we need to show radical grace. Families that are hurting because of this issue, abundant, abundant grace. We could be completely grounded in God's truth on this issue but completely missed the boat. Because as we know in 1 Corinthians 13, if we do not have love, it is nothing. You could have everything else. You could have miracles. You could give to sacrificially for, for the poor. But if you do not have love, it is nothing. Nothing. We could be full, fully right on this issue. We could think we have the truth on this issue, and yet if we do not show love, it's nothing. Those who struggle with these gender identity issues have lived their lives with great pain, confusion, and rejection. And the enemy has mercilessly beaten them up. Jesus came to heal and redeem and restore. And here are some ways we could show grace. Number one, listen. That's probably one of the biggest ways you could show grace is just listen to people. Number two, ask questions and seek to understand the whole person, not this, just this aspect, but understand them as a person, what they've been through, what they think, what they feel. Three, resist making gender the focus of your relationship with them. 
for express love and care for all areas of the person's life. Five, let go of trying to change. It's not your job. Six, pray for the person they are dealing with and being influenced by. Like I said, powerful, powerful spiritual forces. Pray for them, intercede for them. Seven, when appropriate, speak truth with kindness and gentleness. Eight, point to Jesus and his love for them. Jesus died for them. Jesus loves them. Jesus wants relationship with them. Nine, help the person develop a relationship with Jesus. Help them introduce them to Jesus. Help them to get to know Jesus. Watch the chosen together with them. Let them get to see his heart. And let Jesus address them. Ten, share your own struggles with them. Jesus is the truth. And after we meet people, may they walk away with the taste and the touch of Jesus. Uh, if you are, if this issue is hitting home for you, uh, great resources. Focus on the family. They have lists of other uh, multitude of resources. Focusonthefamily.com. I found that very helpful. They have great, tremendous resources uh, on their site. Okay, I'm going to have the, well, no, I'm gonna, let, me, let me pray. Let me just close in prayer. Lord, you call us to be like you. You came so that we could be like you. You've given us everything we need to be like you, to restore your image, your very image in us. And Lord, part of that means um, rejoicing in the things that you rejoice over and hurting for the things and the people that you hurt over. Lord, um, as we've seen more and more, we are in a war. And on many fronts, the enemy is unleashing all manner of evil and ungodliness. But Lord, you have made us to be the light. You have poured out your love upon us. You have given us your truth, which is you. So help us to walk in radical truth and radical grace that through us, Lord, people might see and meet you and know your heart for them. God, help us to stand strong Help us to pray and release your power on earth. Help us, Lord, to speak up and stand firm. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, have the worship team come up and... Um,
Thank you so much for joining us for our online service. Hope you will join us in person sometime. It would be great to see you and meet you. Don't forget to subscribe to our Catalyst YouTube channel so you don't miss out on anything. And be blessed this week. And as always, thank you, Jesus.